from the Mercy One Studio. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Join Father Fabian Moncada every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Also tune in Sundays at 10.30 a.m. for Be Not Afraid in Spanish. Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Be Not Afraid is underwritten by Associated Ophthalmologists and Dream Dirt Farm Real Estate and Auction Services. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid. Remember that we are in Iowa Catholic Radio, 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM. Today, Father P.J., good morning. Good morning, Father. Good to have you in the first week of Lent. Mm -hmm. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that always, pondering spiritual things, we may carry out in both word and deed that which is pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. let us proceed. So we are in a very interesting week, as usually is Lent season for us, Father. So if may I, I'd like to open our discussion about uh, this coming Sunday's Gospel. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful piece from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. If you can help us to read, please. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking. And lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard him, they fell on their faces, were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision, until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, first of all, we need to say this. Are you prepared to see the glory of the Lord and to share in His glory as well? And sometimes we reading, or better to say, listen to these kind of Gospels that use in a, in a very interesting word, transfiguration. Mm -hmm. And this word of transfiguration shows something different in theological meaning versus that simple changes. Right. right. This isn't this isn't an ordinary change, um, you know, like from uh, cold to hot. Uh, this isn't a change of degree. It's a change of, um, what we'd say in theological language, right, kind. It's a difference in kind and not simply degree. Um, you know, the, the word transfiguration is very interesting because um, in, uh, in the Eastern churches, in the Orthodox churches, in the Eastern Catholic churches, that name, Holy Transfiguration, or Mount Tabor, which is the traditional mountain on which the, the transfiguration occurred, is the most common name for a monastery or a convent. Oh. The idea is that religious, uh, what we would think of as consecrated life, that they live a transfigured life. Okay. That the prayers and the penances of the monks over the course of a lifetime transfigure them. And they even talk about, especially on uh, um, Mount Athos or, or places in, in Russia, you know, where real sort of hardcore hermit monks live, they talk about them as the, the beautiful old men, as though by old age, all those years of prayer and fasting and penance have genuinely transformed them so that they're radiant, like Jesus and Moses and Elijah. 
It's a, it's a very remarkable your explanation, especially when we try to moving forward for a simple, if may I say it, a spectacular event that more inner encounter with a transformation from our hearts mm -hmm. and very, very w well located this piece of the gospel in this second Sunday of Lent that is coming Sunday. Because sometimes uh, we said Lent is too long time, <laughs> long period of time to fasting, mm -hmm. to pray, to almsgiving. And probably we are in need to make an, a pause in our life to encounter Jesus in a very penitent attitude to receive this grace of that transfiguration mm -hmm. at the end of his uh, freedom. Right. So, so you know, it, it's interesting, right? Because um, the, the word well, the word figura, right, refers to precisely to the appearance. And what happens in on the mountain, right, is they see Jesus's appearance change. And because he's appearing with Moses and Elijah, who are both dead but who also traditionally have no tombs. Their bodies are gone. Okay. So you have the transfigured bodies of, of dead men uh, standing alongside the Lord. And this is important, right, because most of the time when we talk about transformation or, or even the language that we use concerning the Blessed Sacrament, transubstantiation, the change is on the inside, but you don't see the change on the outside. Whereas here, it, it's almost the reverse. It's the outside appearance is changed to reveal what's happening inside, on the inside. Sorry. So that, so that you know, um, the, the fathers of the church used the language of a, of a cloak. They said that the, the, the worm of Christ's humanity was wrapped around the hook of his divinity so that the devil, the great monster of the sea, would, would, would not recognize him and would get caught, right? Well, it's, it's as though Jesus, in his human nature, uh, looks and appears and acts exactly like, like, like a man, like every one of us, and so he was but that he was also God, and that in this moment they caught a glimmer of Christ's divinity, a glimpse of what it means for Christ to be God, and that that makes everything different. Absolutely. This is an, uh, an, an occasion also to see in an analogy perspective about our transformation from darkness to light, mm -hmm. from sinfulness conditions to the fulfillment God's grace in our life. But at the same time, we have many symbols in this uh, reading that help us to understand. Let's take a few people. Mm -hmm. And these few people is chosen people by God. Mm -hmm. Then join me. And then you are the witnesses. Mm -hmm. What kind of witnesses we expecting in this time of Lent with these kind of sacrifices? Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. What kind, what kind of expectation we can have right. for our darkness and sinfulness condition that completely fulfillment God's glory in his presence. Mm -hmm. Remember that we are in Iowa Catholic Radio, 11.50 a.m., 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM. Be not afraid. Thank you, Dream Dirt Farm Real Estate and Auction, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid. Dream Dirt Farm Real Estate and Auction is a licensed, accredited, and experienced farm brokerage and auction company. Learn more at dreamdirt.com, including their online auction house, FarmBid, at bid.dreamdirt.com. Dream Dirt Farm and Equipment Auction Services, farm auctions done right. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www 
www.blessedinternational.org and make your donation today. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Are you suffering emotionally or spiritually after an abortion? At Intervisions Healthcare, we believe you deserve healing, forgiveness, and support. We've found that there are no quick fixes, but meeting with others who share the same pain can be a good start. To learn more about this healing ministry, call Intervisions at 515-440-2273, 515-440-2273, and ask for a nurse. Intervisions Healthcare, it's a safe and confidential place to begin the healing you deserve. Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits, or they were helped when their kids were in school, or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great, and after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, ctoiowa.org. Welcome back to Iowa Catholic Radio, 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM. Father PJ joined us this morning, and we're talking about the second Sunday of Lent, a beautiful piece of the gospel that joined us. And uh, explain us clearly before the break, Father, Father PJ, about the transfiguration and the many connotations in terms of symbols and meanings for us in our spiritual life. But at the same time, this piece of the gospel mentioned two Another uh, personality, may I say that, Moses mm-hmm. and Abraham. Yeah, Elijah. Elijah. Right. Elijah. Right. Thank you for coming. Right. That's right. No, no, no. So, 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 so Moses and Elijah, right, um, are, are important for a, a number of different reasons, but their two primary functions in this gospel, right, are that they represent the law and the prophets. Okay. So the fullness of the scriptures and of, and of what was revealed to the Jews. Um, but also because Elijah, of course, uh, the scripture recounts, doesn't die an entirely natural death. He's carried off to heaven in a fiery chariot. And Moses, while he dies, um, is buried. But then, um, you know, as, as is recounted in the epistle of St. Jude, um, there's a dispute over his body between the Lord and the devil. And, and so there's an apocryphal text that that's referring to called the Assumption of Moses. But the tradition is that Moses' body was assumed into heaven following his death. The idea is important. For, for Christians, right, because you're dealing with the person whose job is to raise from the dead. And so you have these two people who in, um, who in death uh, come to life and, and, and who reveal something of what glorified bodies are like on the mountain of the transfiguration. And whatever uh, Matt, uh, Peter, James, and John saw on top of the mountain was something very like, very akin to what, uh, to what glorified bodies seem to be like. Um, which is why Peter is so moved to try and build the, the, the booths or the tents to set up tabernacles to commemorate the he, – he wants to essentially make a shrine, right, to Jesus, to Moses, and to Elijah. But, of course, Jesus won't let him do it. 
both because, you know, we usually use this kind of analogically. Uh, you can't just stay on the mountaintop. You can't have the mountaintop experience. You have to go back down into the world. And that's certainly true. That's a useful moral maxim. But there's a theological point that's much more important here. And that is that um, he can't make sort of the shrine on top of the mountain and locate what happens there. The Lord's promise, right, to the woman of the well is that people will worship in spirit and in truth, that these churches belong everywhere, so that the booths or the tents that St. Peter wanted to, to, to build on top of the mountain are fulfilled in every church in the world. And at the same time, one of the probably colloquial questions about this uh, magnificent and explained expression from God's mercy and compassion to us, why he choose only these people? Why he use on the top of the mountain? So the mountaintop is important. You know, you, you alluded to this before the break. Um, he, he, he takes them away so, so that he takes a chosen few away from the masses and away from where they regularly are in order to have this divine encounter. And, okay. of course, the divine encounter in the Old Testament is always on the mountaintop, right? Moses okay. is given the law on the mountain. The people have the great theophany that scares them so that they, they, they tell Moses then that he has to be the one to go look at them at the foot of the mountain. Um, Elijah, of course, is, is constantly abiding on Mount Carmel because that's, that's where he goes to enc encounter God, you know, hiding in the cleft of the rock and all that. Um, Jeremiah goes and, and, and buries his underwear and all that on the mountain, right? So it's, it's always surrounding these mountains. The mountains are the high places, right? They're, 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 they're physically closer to the expansiveness that we recognize uh, with God. The same in the Holy Mass when we present to the people, this is the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. I mean, that, that tremendous splendor, cognotation about God's presence. So, the, so this is the traditional reason, right, that church sanctuaries are built upwards. upwards it's, okay. it's not, you know, this, the sort of amphitheater, church on the round style that became popular in the 60s and 70s is, is frankly just theologically stupid. Um, no church was built that way for centuries, and there was a reason for it. So uh, Catholics and Orthodox churches, you know, they, 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 they derived the tradition from the Jews. Um, Psalm 42, uh, uh, I will go into the altar of God, even into the God of my Beautiful. joy and gladness. This was, these were the old prayers at the foot of the altar before Mass. They were originally prayers said in the sacristy, which is we, what we do at Christ the King. But the, what the, the priest says, right, is I will go into the altar of God, even unto the day. God of my joy and gladness. Um, uh, I, I, I will ascend into the holy mountain. Um, uh, to, the, to the God of my salvation. So, so God's presence upwards. Now, of course, it does something to us physically too, right? Because when we, when we look upwards, our posture changes. You know, when we're looking downwards, we're closed in on ourselves. When we look upwards, we're open. And so the, 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 the Aran's posture that the priest uses during Mass Eve that is intended to, to lend him open, right? To open yourself up. And this is perfected, right, in, in, in the great openness of Christ on the cross, whose arms are expanded sort of infinitely. Exactly as the Lord be with you and your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Heart. Yeah, the, the, the preface um, for the uh, Eucharistic Prayer for Reconciliation says, you know, with a new bond of love so tight, which is referring to this, this posture, right, that can never be undone. So, wow. that, so, so that before his arms are outstretched between heaven and earth to become the everlasting sign of your covenant. So that that's what we wind up doing every time the community gathers for Holy Mass. So beautiful connection between, between the gesture performing by the priest at the celebration of the Holy Mass, and also the connection with the liturgy of the Word, and especially with the peace of the Gospel today, that, that, that we have been reflecting today about this coming Sunday's Gospel, how the explainer of the Lord always is extended, mm -hmm. extended to cover the entire face of the earth. Mm -hmm. 
and also for us make meaning a great opportunity to pray for God and pray for us in presence of God to join Jesus all the time. By the way, it's probably it's not an adequate question at this moment, but is any kind of relation with this charismatic, uh, fervent prayer, the right hands? Uh, well, so, so, so that posture, the Iran's posture, the, 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 the manner of praying with your hands, hands outstretched has been known since, since far ancient times, right? When you see Jews at the Wailing Wall, this is what they're doing too. It's just kind of a smaller version of it. Muslims do it every time they pray Salat. It's one of the most basic postures of prayer because of what it does to your body. At, um, at Mass, the posture is reserved to the priest on purpose, right? Because he's the one who prays on behalf of the community. Like Moses, when he's standing on top of the mountain and Aaron and her hold his arms up. It's, it, 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 it's that move. There's nothing wrong with people engaging the posture uh, privately. But when we pray collectively, it, um, the church prescribes postures on purpose for people um, so that we don't wind up saying or doing something contrary to what oh, the church true. actually holds. Remember that we are in Iowa Catholic Radio, 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM. Be not afraid. God bless you. This is Monsignor Frank Chido of St. Anthony's Catholic Church in Des Moines, and I would like to extend a personal invitation. We are having a special Lenten Parish Mission, March 8th, 9th, and 10th. The theme is The Mission of Jesus, who leaves the 99 to go after the one. This is a perfect Lenten event to invite someone to draw closer to Christ. We also have admission going on at the same time for the children. program includes dinner and materials at no charge. Go to stanthonysdsm.org to save your seats. Prayerfully consider whom you could invite to join you. Vitae Family Care is part of the Iowa Catholic Radio family. Pro-life physician Greg McKernan, a DO, has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages with just about every kind of need. Dr. McKernan lives his faith as a physician and is trained in NAPRO technology, allowing him to diagnose and treat many female conditions and even markedly reduce the occurrence of a miscarriage. VitaeFamilyCare.com Remember, Vitae is Latin for life. The Man Up West Power Lunch is Friday, March 13th at noon. St. Francis of Assisi Parish, Father P.J. McManus will discuss the power of mercy. The Divine Mercy is a way of life, not just a once-a-year holy day or chaplet prayed every Friday at 3 p.m. Father P.J. will challenge and inspire you to accept God's mercy and be men of mercy. Cheese and veggie pizza will be provided for lunch. The Man Up West Power Lunch is Friday, March 13th at noon. St. Francis of Assisi Parish. Sign up at iowacatholicradio.com. Programming support for Catholic Women Now is provided by Iowa's injury attorney, Fred Haas. For over 30 years, Fred Haas has helped injured Iowans recover financial, physical, and emotional losses from car, truck, and motorcycle accidents, work-related injuries, and injuries due to negligence. Most importantly, providing the professional, personal, and responsive legal counsel that everyone deserves. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time... Let us do good. Welcome back to Iowa Catholic Radio, 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM. Be not afraid with Father PJ. Father PJ, any special attraction for this coming Feast Friday? Pardon me. Um, you mean like at Christ the King, or just in general? Yes. Yeah. So we so we always have our uh, our seven p.m. healing mass uh, on the first Friday of the month. And I would uh, call everyone's attention to the first Friday of next month, the first Friday of April, uh, the third uh, at seven p.m. That will be the Chrism Mass with the Bishop. 
uh, downtown at St. Ambrose Cathedral. That's where the new oils are blessed for the year. If you've never been to the Chrism Mass, you really ought to go. It's one of the best expressions of the local church. You have the bishop surrounded by his priests, assisted by the deacons, and, and gathered with the whole people of God to do one of the most important things that they do for the year, which is enable the administration of the sacraments to all the people through the, through the holy oils. Perfect. Father, how prayer, fasting, and almsgiving help us to fight temptations, mm -hmm. especially in this time of Lent? So it's very important, right, to recognize that during Lent, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus retreats into the desert. And, and very often when we retreat, like if you retreat from battle, you're going away from the thing that you're trying to fight. But Jesus goes out into the desert to fight the tempter head on, right? That's his whole goal. And so the, the, the three traditional practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which especially mark the period of Great Lent, but are really meant to be part of our life all the time, right, um, are really the, the, the sort of key expressions of the virtue of penance, which is the sort of operative disposition that we're supposed to have toward the Lord all the time, right? The, the most basic prayer uh, of the publican in, in, in the Gospels, right? Uh, o Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Or the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so, so what prayer helps us do is reestablish um, in firm fervor that relationship with the Lord and his, like, who God is and who I am and that I'm not him. <laughs> what fasting helps us do is kind of hit the reset button on our will, If we can say no to ourselves with small things like cream in our coffee or, or ketchup on our fries or something like that, chocolates, chocolates sweets, booze, whatever it is, if we can say no to ourselves with small things, then we sort of build up our willpower like a muscle so that we're able to say no to the big things that are actually bad for us to sin. Right. That's right. And so fasting is one of the greatest uh, weapons in our arsenal in fighting temptation. It's also the reason we resist it so often, right? People will diet for anything, but ask them to fast and they look like you've insulted their mother. <laughs> um, and almsgiving, of course. So when we, when, when we curtail our own appetites, the things that we could have but choose not to, we have more excess than we would have had before. And that excess belongs not rightly to us so that we have extra stored up someplace but it belongs by right to the poor so every time we fast we should make as, as good an effort as we can to gather that which we're not eating or we're not using to eat and attend that to the poor um, because in the poor we meet Christ and in, uh, in, in that meeting with Christ himself we come to identify with those we might be less likely to to begin with at the same time Father we can recommend as a prior As a prayer time encounter, the Station of the Cross. The Stations of the Because Cross. Because the Station of the Cross is a magnificent experience to walking with Jesus. So there's a living with Jesus that moment. There's a terrific connection between, and, and, and it's not intuitive to most people, but between the Nativity scene oh, and the Stations beautiful. of the Cross. St. Francis of Assisi is responsible for bringing both to the Western Church, and it was because of his visit to the Holy Land. And his idea was he wanted to be able to bring back to every parish church in Christendom the experience of pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It's not possible for most of us to, to, to go to Israel, but it is possible for every one of us to walk in the footsteps of the Lord. So every parish church, at least ought, put the Stations of the Cross up so that there's a way to walk the way of the Lord to Calvary. And the Stations of the Cross in churches, again, architect are put in the nave, the, the body right. of the church where the people sit on purpose because it is through our daily lives, through sort of the back and forth, if you almost think of it like the communion line, the back and forth of our daily lives that way, that we experience what the Lord did with stumbling and falling and aid from, from uh, our mother and kind women and, and, and care from strangers like Simon of Cyrene, where we learn to suffer and where we learn to die. 
it's at the altar that we receive the resurrected Lord who is able to give that those daily sufferings life. Beautiful, because also the the chaplain of the Divine Mercy help us to make connection with those uh, suffering intensively moments from our Savior and Redeemer, only looking for our salvation. Right. Only looking for our salvation. And also, what it, I mean, we have sometimes a little bit confusion between fasting and almsgiving, you know, and uh, fasting and uh, ab- abstinence. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So, so abstinence refers to ab- abstaining, not consuming particular foods and, and in church law it refers specifically to flesh meat um the the tradition there people think this is some kind of weird like dietary law or something the tradition here is actually older the idea is that in the garden adam and eve are given to eat they're vegans basically they're given to eat of the of the of the fruit of the uh, of the trees but they're not told to consume the animals and the tradition of the rabbis right was that the first uh, slaughter of animals was a sacrifice which was made by Adam after the fall in atonement for his sin, and that it was those skins that wound up being the first clothing that that, that our first parents held. This is not to literalize, to overly literalize Genesis, but the idea here is that in 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 our sort of state of primal innocence, there's a natural um, parity between uh, men and beasts, um, something like what you might have with a pet, but you would have like you with a cougar <laughs> or something. Well, that obviously isn't the case anymore. But by returning to that primal diet. We're trying to be transfigured. We're trying to restore ourselves to that state of first innocence. And so, so the abstinence that we engage on Fridays during Lent, uh, you know, which we're encouraged to, to abstain from every Friday of the year um, uh, and on Ash Wednesday, um, is, is really intended to lock us back in to that first experience of, uh, of God and humanity. The fasting, that of, um, of, of minimize, minimizing food, so the, the, the current legislation, right, is one full meal and two smaller ones without sort of peace in between, that's, um, that's more about the, that sort of deliberate expression of sort of willpower. Like I'm, I'm, willpower, I'm deliberately okay. disciplining my body, um, exercising the virtue of self-control. Self-control. Um, right. uh, you know, as, as St. Paul talks about in the fruits of the spirit. So letting the spirit lead us to greater um, equanimity, to greater uh, self-control, to greater uh, virtue just in our own personal lives. Father, we have very grateful to have you here to, in, in a very eloquent manner, explain us these beautiful moments that are calling the people of God to live in during this land. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and also offer all these kind of sacrifices to praise God. Could you please give us your blessing? May the God of peace grant you the fullness of life, and may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Join Father Fabian Moncada every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Also tune in Sundays at 10.30 a.m. for Be Not Afraid in Spanish. Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Be Not Afraid is underwritten by Associated Ophthalmologists and Dream Dirt, Farm Real Estate and Auction Services.